0: Hi, this is Charlie Goodchild and Andrew Goodall, and you're listening to the Health Space podcast. This is the podcast where we dive deep into health-related questions and topical issues relevant to us all. The world of health and medicine is messy, full of contrasting opinions and misleading advice. We'll challenge the myths and common misconceptions by exploring the evidence, speaking to leading experts along the way. We are physiotherapists, have been friends since university and share the same belief that everyone deserves the opportunity to access high quality, up-to-date health information. When it comes to health, we believe that better never ends. Thanks for listening, let's get going. welcome back to the health space podcast so we are recording today with a good friend of ours Manny Avola. we've known Manny for a long time so i was lucky enough to be his educator as a as a young physio uh, and when Manny was a student so that that was a great place great place to learn and to to meet Manny uh, i know you know andy as well uh, you know Manny as well don't you andy
1: yeah so uh, me and Manny worked together at chelsea and westminster hospital he was a little sort of young gun running around just doing his thing, you know, uh, and I got chatting to him there and we've been friends ever since. I've always sort of looked up to Manny. He's got, you know, he he, he both achieves in in his work um, and also he, he leads from the front in lots of these topics we're going to discuss today and he's really sort of embraced this. So it'd be great to chat to him, get to hear his thoughts and opinions on something that I think is really sort of at the forefront at the moment you know really pertinent and important that we discuss so uh, I'm looking forward to this
0: yeah so we, the, the main topic we want to cover today is um, health inequality and whether race is a barrier to to health Manny is a physio as we said but he's also heavily involved in Black Lives Matter movements and also culturally trying to make a lot of things happen um, in his in his field of running and in health so I'd be really interested to hear what he's got to say so I think it's a good time to bring bring the main man in himself, looking stylish as ever. Uh, Manny, can you start us off by just giving us a bit of a, a story about your journey so far?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I just want to say thank you to both of you for inviting me on the podcast. And yeah, you've had a, um, both a really positive effect on my career and um, things that I've managed to achieve so far. Um, so yeah, first of all, thank you. So for me, it all starts with I think just to to give context for this conversation i was brought up in an african household so i grew up in uganda um, the capital's kampala and my parents met there uh, and just again for context their actual um the language that they spoke to each other in was actually english so like they couldn't speak to each other in their mother tongues like their language that they spoke to each other was english which you know everybody finds quite interesting um, so i was brought up there till i was four and then came to the uk I've lived in the UK since then and was brought up with quite traditional values and an african household with everything that you would um, associate with being african if you know what that that means and so you know you had your chores um, you had you know discipline you had to uh, do as the best you can in everything you did and uh, hopefully that's probably transcended to my adult life and um, you know, achievement and aspiring to do what the best you could is always something at the forefront of um, quite a lot of African households and culture. So that made me want to definitely just do one thing and I wanted to be a footballer. So that was the main thing that I wanted to do. My mother was shocked and she was a bit disappointed, but I kind of persevered with it up until I was about 18. I actually had a, an ankle fracture when I was 16 carried on playing for two years with no diagnosis of my ankle fracture. So for me, this is probably my journey into health inequality um, and um, some health disparities that I witnessed and experienced. Um, so I went to lots of A&Es, lots of GP surgeries with this, health, with this ankle fracture. I was never really diagnosed until I went to university. I, in university, I did an undergraduate in sports therapy, and my lecturer in the first kind of few weeks he basically diagnosed my ankle fracture and said no one's ever been able to tell you what it was and I was like nope I went to four any e, you know kind of departments and saw numerous physios but nobody was able to to explain what it was it was a rare fracture but I think the the problem I had was that I explained I'd been going to different places and seeing different people but not not really getting any results so I think from my perspective, I felt that was something I wanted to change. So that, that kind of made me want to become a physio or made me want to understand the human body. So I, I did sports therapy initially because I like, I, you know, enjoyed sport. I, I wanted to become a footballer. So I was playing semi-professionally and I thought I could probably become somebody within the game. Um, I did some work experience at Chelsea and they said, well everybody who works here is a physio so I said okay well I need to be a physio so I went and did a master's in physiotherapy for two years um, accelerated degree and I uh, really enjoyed that and then I was lucky enough my last placement when I did that was at Chelsea and after that I was actually recommended by uh, Eddie Robinson so he was like yeah you've got to get him in he's good at what he does because he's done an undergraduate and, and, and in sports therapy and I was lucky enough that actually people kind of vouched for me and, and gave me a good good word and put me in the right position to, to then uh, start at Chelsea Westminster Hospital and since then I've worked in different NHS departments and lucky enough I work with you guys at Pure and um, I guess that's where that's where I'm at and um, I've probably elaborated and gone on to and explained a lot of different things but I thought I'd give you kind of the beginning before we talk about the the recent the now
1: um so we've, we've heard a little bit about your sort of inspiration i guess to get going on your physio journey but your your journey isn't just physio there's there's way more to it can you tell us a little bit about your journey kind of beyond physiotherapy a little bit just because i think that brings context to coming kind of the next bit that we're going to go on to like how how was some of those experiences with physiotherapy taking you on to kind of the bit you're doing now and, and and whatnot if that makes sense
2: yeah sure so i've always run marathons and run for for like lifestyle and just to, to ensure that i kind of have something that you know gives you a bit of routine it keeps you healthy so i've i've, I've noticed the benefits but i never saw black men doing it and all my friends when i was at, at you know my school friends who i used to meet they used to be like why why are you running my, my issue has always been that they don't understand how good it is for them until they try it. So that's been something that I've been quite passionate about. So I started something called London Select, which is a, an organisation proactively supporting people who have never run from minority communities run. Um, it doesn't mean people who are not from minority communities cannot join the group. It's just that we proactively go out and support people, give them that extra information, that extra help and, you know, ask them to come to the sessions. So that's the key difference. Additionally, I never saw people within the work environment. The first time I worked with a black person, um, a black male, uh, it was actually 2018 and I'd been qualified since 2012. So it that was it had a profound effect on me because I had conversations with that person that I didn't think I would have and I didn't know I needed to have. And we also got lots of different questions asked about us, like why are you two always hanging out together? why do you two always talk like when you two talk it's you're, you're too happy you know like lots of really at the time there were comments that people thought were funny, but actually thinking about it more now it's um they're quite profound in terms of like it's um it's almost a bit of othering because it makes them feel uncomfortable because actually that type of situation hasn't happened in the workplace before especially in the nhs in a central london hospital that we were the only two black males in that whole hospital in a therapies department so and yeah it was very it was very very humbling i think as a as a from my perspective to realize even your manager was like i'm gonna have to split you two up and we're not you're not young boys and we were doing our jobs effectively he felt uncomfortable with the situation so i started something called cultural health club earlier this uh, well in 2020 because i felt it was essential that we started to see more people in 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 therapy departments and physiotherapists need to understand that there's a whole group of us that you know being a minority doesn't mean you're alone and um, we need to normalize the aspect of um, minority physiotherapists within the workplace
1: I just want to ask one can I just probe you on one thing I just yeah I, I think it's just slightly interesting to know where you were to where you are at that time did you feel that you were able to sort of speak up
2: no because obviously everything's a joke but you know jokes have deeper context, and I think if we if we kind of analyze the situation comparative the treatment that myself and the other person received comparative to two other males who were in the department who were white it was very very strange, but it only it takes you know it takes hindsight and just being able to 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 kind of go well oh that's that's what happened but I think the the there's a big element of not wanting to rock the boat. A lot of people want to create you know we want to create an environment where we're accepted so there's a lot of need to be accepted but on in that in that in doing that you also you forego any sort of um respect in my opinion. I think people sometimes almost respect you less but going through the difficult situations um are probably more important and somebody said i heard this quote that said you make more noise by being quiet than than actually speaking up sometimes. so i think that was probably you know my 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 kind of mistake i say a mistake but it's it's almost the way i've always been taught in terms of you know once you get into an environment and you try and become part of the team you you merge and support the team members to create opportunity for yourself and you know there's always that thing about if you complain that's going to affect your career development or you know it's going to affect the perception that people have on you and i definitely think speaking up also does that
0: yeah and then and then this year has seen an explosion of the black lives matter campaign has been incredible and it's and, and your voice in that has been really inspiring i watching you take that on almost almost as the the spokesperson as a as as a black physio has been really really quite inspiring and watching you do that I've got so much respect for for your involvement in that can you tell me a bit about where that came from because actually it sounds like you've come a full circle instead of just trying to fit in and keep quiet you've decided that actually you want to speak up you want to talk about the issues and you want to challenge people ask people difficult questions tell us about that
2: It's, it's a very um I think without the pandemic, I probably may not have been able to because it takes time to uh, be methodical with your words and analyze the situation. But I would like to say that Black Lives Matter is—it's a—if we think about the uh, the organization, you know, it's a foundation that wants to create a conversation around the topics of the way Black people are treated and and we have to remember that that's a, an American organization and they're dealing with specific American problems. I can, I can go for a run on this down the street, you know, even if I went for a run in, in a, in a country, country path in Surrey or something like that, I know I'm safer than if I was doing the same thing, you know, in America. So we do have to also be be, be grateful that there are some things that we, you know i won't experience as a black man comparative to the things i would experience in america so i'd say black lives matter movement to kind of call call everything back black lives matter is something that i'm really against because i think it's just trying we, we will we will almost become monolithic so just everything just amalgamated into one thing but we know there's different strands of problems and problems are not always just the same everywhere somebody goes and what I would call it probably is I, I'm trying to, to challenge the diversity within the physiotherapy profession, especially at leadership levels and the experience of uh, minority physios. And that's probably what, what I would like to, to kind of champion and, and, and challenge. The biggest problem I find is that the conversations I'm having with people, especially in institutions like the NHS, which are hierarchical, are very difficult and I think that there are times when just being a black man can be difficult to broach this subject these subjects because there is from my perspective from my awareness if I don't say something you know I'm shy but if I do say something I'm kind of provocative and angry so it's, I can't find a middle ground at the moment um, which is really challenging. So I have to definitely try and keep using different angles. Keep trying to find different allies and people who who understand what I'm trying to discuss. Because when you're dealing with things that you've experienced, you can become passionate about them, and that can make people feel uncomfortable. It's hard to hear that within organisations this is happening, and a lot of people take it as it as if it's their responsibility, and it, it can be if you want it to be but i don't think you have to let it be like that it's, i think we're looking for solutions rather than trying to blame anybody and um, which i feel people want to say well oh you can't blame us or blame the nhs and and the solutions need to be tangible like i think we need to talk we need to talk about kind of a lot of i think there, there can be quite a lot of kind of like um dramatization and and kind of actions that are not leading to long-term changes so a little bit of you know i I just yeah i just kind of get frustrated with, with some of the actions because i think we have things that we could implement um and yeah it's it's a it's a difficult situation but i think from from my perspective it's take i've got to this point because there was only i think you you only have one chance like that what happened this year was was my chance to highlight what i see from a day-to-day because everybody was looking at it but i know these things are happening like i hear stories in the uk of certain things happening for instance one person from cultural health club she's a student she can't get buses in the city that she lives in because the buses don't stop for her uh, and her baby this is in the uk she's black um and she got a cab to university um, but the cab driver was they got into an argument he was the music he was playing and you know there was there's a situation and during this situation he then decided to racially abuse her so she got out of the cab took another cab home but then he took he drove back to her house and stood outside her house racially abusing her and the police didn't do anything so you know these are these are things that are happening still now in in cities and in the uk and we yeah. hear stories all the time
0: it's I, th- I think it's so important that we do keep having these conversations and i think i took these this phrase from you conversations create empathy you know allowing <coughs> uh, allowing the the space for those conversations is really important do, is there a balance to strike uh, you've, you've touched on it a bit but how do we make sure that those conversations do continue to create empathy and and you get that balance right with it because like you've said that that you do have to be aware of how they're being received as well which you shouldn't have but but unfortunately you do so so how do you manage that
2: it's really difficult i think every every time we do have these conversations such as podcasts or or webinars things like that i think we're exposing you know it's that gradual exposure so more, the more exposure we have to things that can definitely help but as a black man it's like when you first start hearing these things it's like damn this is this is tough and then you you almost come a become a little bit kind of numb to them unfortunately like it's crazy how you can sometimes become a little bit kind of yeah you, you almost you recognize them but you you're not surprised anymore whereas sometimes i tell people stories and they're like in absolute shock but i think the, the biggest problem we have is that communities don't speak up because they don't trust. From, from what I've experienced, when you do speak up, we have to have adequate solutions, rather than further questioning of the person who's experiencing the, the disparity or the problems. We need further questioning in, into why they, they're happening. And I think that's the issue we don't want to talk about, of why these things happen.
1: Before we move on to a sort of, I think that leads really nicely into our, our next point, and our, next, our next question. But before we sort of go to that, I think it's it's almost important for us to voice, like, you know, as a white British male, it's very unlikely that you you get subjected to this. So it's important that we have these conversations so that we can build that basis of understanding and empathy, as as as, as, as Charlie rightly says, because it's very difficult to digest some of it because i think some of it you only really truly understand if you if you dive into some of the kind of the literature and stuff that again that we might talk about before in books and you talk to people like yourself and um, and you hear these stories and you hear them more and more and more and then and then you kind of kind of truly begin to try at least to understand so i agree i think we have to keep having these conversations because there's lots of us that you know just don't understand and and because we've not we've not been in that situation, I suppose.
2: Yeah. I mean, but I think also there's an, there's an element where you guys don't know what you don't know. Right. I think one of our friends, when we were playing football and I was like, like, I met one of my friends actually last, last year. He's, I've known him, he's white. He's, he's from Britain and I've known him since we were 10. He's probably like one of the first people really I used to hang out with and regularly. And he was telling me about things that I completely forgot about. Like he was like the first one of the one of our first games in a in a football match close to Heathrow. He said, the parents of the the kids that we were playing, we were actually beating the 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 team in the football match. And the parents of the kids told us black children to go and climb up the tree like monkeys because that's where we belong. And it was like, He remembered that so vividly, like, and now we have conversations about things and he's like, he feels like it's never gonna be the same. He feel like he's, he's a white male and he says, you, like, black people will never be treated the same. That's what he says. And I'm like, if he's saying that, and I genuinely feel like that's true. Like, I genuinely feel like black people, unfortunately, will never, ever totally be treated in a way that I think or we think is is fair, simply because yeah. there's lots of different problems. I don't think it's just a Western problem. I think there's actual problems within obviously resources, things in Africa that go on, structure, control, planning, government. You know, there's there's lot we could go into lots and lots of different reasons why. It's just like when you're so far behind in a race, it's it's sometimes a bit hard for you to see like well, how are you ever going to catch up? But for him to say that I think was quite profound when I spoke to him and that probably spurred me on to, to continue and building Cultural Health Club. I think there's an element of like just a pure exhaustion, like there's a, there's always a battle, like you're always facing some sort of issue and some of it can be from your ethnicity and the the race side and things that happen within your culture but some of it can be the things you're experiencing within the wider world like David Williams he's he's a Harvard professor who's who basically is one of the leading uh, scientists that who looks into social disparities in black communities and he says black people regularly just walking around have a higher blood pressure like 25 to 30 percent higher blood pressure than Than a white person just because of their constant thought process of like am i putting being put in a situation where i'm being discriminated against or you know do i want to go that direction because somebody's you know i mean i can understand what he's saying because if i go if i run on the street and i run on the pavement yes there's covid there's a pandemic but even before this people would cross the road like You know, I I think some people were shocked because I was running, as we've talked about, in terms of being a black male. They'd be like, why is he running? Like, I'd be in my running gear, but people would actually... So I I actually run on certain roads because of that, because I'm like, well, I don't want to go on a certain road where somebody's going to be walking on their own and be like, oh, I need to cross the road. I'd rather run on quieter streets and be like, I've got the streets myself. Uh, yeah
0: like i mean obviously why, why wouldn't you be but the shame of it is that you have to make those have those thoughts and, and change make that behavior you know we know that um, stress is is a real thing and, and it increases blood pressure it makes us feel uncomfortable it has all these other health problems attached to it when you're we're under long-term stress so if if as a black man you're feeling that low-level underlying um, continual feeling of stress in certain situations and you're saying that actually in the uk it's a lot better than in certain parts of the us then now that, no wonder it's 25 30 percent higher in, in a black man and and, and how and, and i think we'll come on to this a bit later but in some ways i'm sure that has an effect on on health long-term health um and and really the other thing i wanted to to mention was uh, and bring up was that the crazy thing the madness of it all is that you know racism is is not rooted in biology it's not rooted in genetics it's it's a cultural thing it's a societal thing that's been developed and created for for prejudice reasons and and, that, and and that's the crazy thing you're saying that in some cultures will never catch up and the fact that that's not rooted in any biological reason is just madness
2: yeah it's very difficult so i'm going to tell you um a little bit of research that i found out in terms of i thought this was really really interesting so um there is um at ucl there was the first eugenics lab so you you guys are probably well aware of eugenics and uh, the first eugenics lab. It was it was created to basically do what the Nazis wanted to do. It was yeah. created to to basically create the propaganda that the Nazis created. And we have to understand that you know there's a there's a lot that's deep rooted in this country. Like if we un, if we look at it in that respect and understand that Angela Saini has a has a really 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 good book which. 700 pages long i would suggest you know listening to the audio book because it's really really good but basically do you guys know that you guys obviously know the pearson coefficient yeah and the pearson coefficient we obviously use in in health in health studies and research and carl pearson and francis galton they they founded the the eugenics lab at ucl And carl Pearson. Is you know he's he's one of the people who basically got us to the point that we're starting to to kind of to measure people's intelligence by the color of their skin, and and that's that's how we've got to in my opinion where we are at the moment. By understanding things like that, we need to start to break up because I I don't think you can know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. And like there are a lot of the there are a lot of intellectual people who tell us that they don't believe in race, but they definitely will tell you that African people aren't as intelligent. Um, There's something called the Mankind Quarterly, which is basically a journal that that measures and talks about people via their race and intelligence. And one of the things that the Mankind Quarterly talks about is the intelligence being correlated to GDP of the country. Bear in mind, they don't take into account like any historical kind of ramifications of you know war or anything like that that's happened to the country any trade deals that the country may be i mean you know africa's paying interest in foreign aid for years and years how how are they going to get off their knees i don't i don't get it so you know angela saini the return of race science is a great book if anybody is really really interested in this and wants to deep dive but the the problem isn't just Non-intellectual people—that's what we have to understand. And some people want to try and make it so that it's like, oh, someone's not cultured enough; they don't have intelligence. There are people within government who don't believe that there should be diversity in cabinet. They want to keep the circle close, and it's 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 a lot better to to have people that you know. That's that's we've we've seen it. We've seen this kind of, you know, cronyism and just like. Constant employment of people who uh, we just have to look at the the rollout of uh, track and trace during this pandemic. The person who was head of that, Dido Harding. I don't I don't know what what experience has she got in terms of understanding systems that are going to support track and trace. I mean, it's she's she's a conservative person who is vetted per se, and I think that's really difficult for me to to kind of understand of how we're going to move forward when in, in the emergency, when you're supposed to choose the best person for the job, you chose somebody you knew. So. Mm.
0: Jobs for the boys sorts of attitude, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think that's a really fascinating part of what hopefully we'll come on to soon. Um, interestingly the book i've just started reading now uh, how to argue with a racist by adam rutherford Uh, funnily enough he is a geneticist from ucl so you know interesting that you were talking about the eugenics lab and that's Mm. i I recognized that from the introduction in the book so he revealed that uh, the history of that and then said it's actually come a full circle and now that they that lab in particular is part of the reason why we understand that race isn't rooted in genetics you know they've, they're part of that, of that picture so that's great you don't know where you've, you're you going unless you know where you've been and I think that's that's a really important part of what this today's conversation is about Talking about the history as well as well as the current issues. That brings us to the end of part one with Manny Avola in part two we'll be talking more with Manny about what it means to be a black man and effects that can have on health. We'll also be referencing the effect it has specifically on health in COVID and why it seems there are more COVID cases in the BAME community. So join us again for part two where we'll speak more to Manny. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, subscribe and give us a five-star rating. We'll keep bringing you the gold. Follow us on Instagram at the.healthspace and for any questions or ideas for future content, email us at thehealthspace.co at gmail.com.